Hey, hey, welcome to LDS Transitions. So I was quite triggered last night. I got a email from the stake president's executive secretary saying, Hey, president would like to meet with you Tuesday at the building at 6.30. And, you know, I, uh, I'm just like, oh, crap. Um, it's weird because in the past, usually, as far as doing touch-up meetings, he would just reach out to me directly. And then, uh, I told him, well, hey, Tuesday night usually isn't good, and, uh, you know, would we be able to do it virtual? And... (laughs) And the executive secretary said, well, what about, oh, no, sorry, I'm getting my timeline mixed up. Said I said, Tuesday night won't work. Um, and I did say, what about the possibility of virtual, I think. Anyway, he said, uh, well, what about Wednesday at the same time? And I'm like, well... You know, I get off work at 6.30, so can we do it virtual? I'd prefer it virtual with the pandemic. And his response is, well, the uh, president would prefer in person, and uh, and I'll look for a different time, because uh, he didn't have another available time later, or, or he needs a different day. So... <laughs> I'm a little bit like, well, jeez, uh, why is this so, sounding so formal? Is it because he knows of my podcast? Is it because he knows of my other account? Um, you know, did someone lead him on to something? You know, is it because I posted a public post about patriotism and and you know the from the last episode the poem I shared that it said he she um or he she him her them they whatever it was um you know is it because he's like oh well that's LGBT context and it's public and you don't, you know, we don't want members to think that we're okay with that, or someone was offended by that. And I don't know that that's the case. If so, it's piddly stuff. I mean, it's not piddly stuff, but it's like, really, we're gonna grapple over that. So more than likely, it's he either knows about my podcast um, or my my account and he wants to do something formal or it's kind of how we left things you see back in July I'd uh, I'd sent some interesting emails I probably wouldn't send the same thing now but I was in a different difficult place I was trying to get things resolved and I was feeling you know, I was becoming more authentic. 
And so I probably said way too much, but he didn't respond to it. And I also sent another email and he didn't respond to that. A month goes by and he's texting out of the blue. Hey, how's it going? Uh, wondering when we can be, meet next type thing and uh, do a touch point. And, uh, oh, by the way, can the young woman swim in the pool? I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> you ignore my emails. <laughs> Act like they don't exist. No communication at all. Now all of a sudden you want to use a pool for the young woman. So I could see where he'd be pissed off if he's listening to this podcast because I shared all that previously, if I remember right. Uh, And that, it is what it is. I mean, this is my view, this is my story, and is it accurate in his perception? Maybe not. But it is my feelings, it is my validity. And I feel marginalized. I don't feel the same beliefs, but yet I feel like I'm expected to. And that, hey, you know, I'm the one that needs to be fixed. I'm not saying the church needs to be fixed, because I think the trajectory the church goes is they have no interest in being fixed. They just want to keep the church surviving as long as possible. Um, At least at the top, is my view. Um, You know, I'm triggered heavily because if he's looking for disciplinary action, then my family's on the line. If this leads to a quote-unquote worthiness interview, my family's on the line because my daughter's wanting me to baptize and confirm her. I don't think the confirmation's going to work out because the stake president is very much kind of by the rule, the letter of the law rather than spirit. Um, Now, he's got a good tender heart. I don't, you know, he's not some mindless person by any means. He's very intelligent. He's very thoughtful. He tries to feel what the Spirit would direct him to, which is difficult because what I'm proposing and stuff is going to cause a cognitive dissonance with him, and he's going to retaliate in some form. He's going to go to his spot of, oh, hey, the church is being attacked, or something to that effect. He's going to get that gut-wrenching thing. And he'll probably determine that, oh, that, well, that's, that's Satan tempting me. Or, hey, this individual doesn't have the spirit. But no, it's, it's a cognitive dissonance. It's just because my beliefs are different and we come from a different narrative doesn't mean it's right. I'm not a trumper. And someone starts talking about Trump-type stuff, and I'm like, I want out of here. This doesn't feel good. Because I don't align to anything Trump-related, and I'm not trying to bring politics into it. I'm just trying to show another example of a faith transition where your very core beliefs are 
invalidated and you're trying to rebuild truth and find truth, you're like, hey world, what's the truth? Is there a God? Did Joseph Smith really use a seer stone in a hat and no other prophet has since? Huh, that's weird. And why was the Urim and Thummim preserved? And why did he get the stones from, was it Sally Fields? Or does she make cookies? Sorry, I don't remember. Um, but it's, it's just ridiculous. My point and my whole thing is, hey, look, my wife is of this narrative. The church, I'm not really sure what their narrative is because I can't point pin, pinpoint doctrine. Uh, it's all over the place. I can't correlate the Bible, Christ's teachings, to the Book of Mormon, Christ's teachings. I can't find that harmony between them. Even though they use a lot of the same scriptures, I don't get an overall impression of, this is who God is. Because the God that I grew up with, based off of my parents' teachings, is the God of fear. And... More my dad's teachings, okay? Now my... And a lot of that is the narrative of the culture. It's not the narrative of... Of necessarily my parents. I, I think if they were to listen to this, they'd be like, eh, that's not how we see it. But a lot of their talk is fear-based. And I think a lot of that is the culture as well as the church. Um... And a lot of my aspects are not as much fear-based when it comes to God. And I know that sounds bad because, hey, we should fear God, but I, I don't. I fear God in the sense that if I don't try to be better and I try to actually look at really hurting people, or just not caring about humanity, then I feel like I, I have to answer to humanity. I have to answer to God. But, um, but I'm not fear-based. I don't, you know, we were reading in Alma 40 last night, my wife and I, and it's about the resurrection and stuff, and there's so much fear-based in there about, you know, hey, we'll be consigned to an awful state and, you know, if, if we're wicked and stuff. And I'm just like, no, that's not God's plan. Um, I find that people that find themselves throw down all barriers and seek for what's right within themselves and for others around them, and can gain a respect for others, I see that as someone that's healing, someone that will thrive in many regards, someone that will passionately do things for the good of mankind. Um, they look beyond themselves and 
They don't need to necessarily know there is a god or not. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't make them awful. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be in misery because they deny the narrative of a god that the others do. Um, my, uh, my hope is, is to be able to stay with my wife, to stay with my kids, to let my kids have that stability. But I need my wife to be able to realize that I'm not evil. But it's hard when she still believes that there's a devil. I don't. And not that she needs to believe the same way I do. But her hope of, you know, eternal salvation and everything rests on the narratives of the church's teachings. And so I feel like she's either giving up on life and her hope and she goes to a misery with the rest of her life or she awakens to another beauty of embracing life for what we have and it's okay for the unknown. Everything will work out. Let's just live life and love it. You know, life is tough. And then to have this narrative thrown at you of good, evil, and if you don't think the same way we do, and if you abandon your teachings because you can no longer trust them, the sources, then what do we do then? Oh, you must be apostate, so hey, outer darkness for you, or hey, you're worse than a murderer. So it's a tough time because my family could be on the line. I could be looking where my wife's like, get out. Then she's what, trying to find work in a pandemic. Kids are completely unraveled from it. You know, we're starting to save a tiny bit with, with, uh, the whole COVID relief fund, you know, throwing it into savings and looking for buying a house maybe as soon as next year. But, uh, you know, it's not a lot of money, but it'll go quickly with an attorney if it goes towards divorce or it'll quickly go to um, me finding a new place, fixing a car. Etc., etc. It's a messed up time. And the stake president might push it in a direction, you know, that destroys their family. Now, you may say, well, hey, I've listened to your podcast and people are leaving the church and the church are oppressing me and we need to have a disciplinary council and and uh you know so that's your consequence that's your issue and it's like okay well fine we can play that game 
So answer for me, all the issues with the church. Show me where you're right. Show me where the messiness turns into purity. Show me where all of that flack or slag from the refiner's fire is shaken off. Where is the gospel in its purity? Because if the church can't adhere to it and have a set, set defined, hey, this is what God thinks, and it's constantly a dancing around of this is what doctrine is, then it's then it's just a mishmash and we're just throwing 10% of our money to an organization because it feels good when we pay you know the guilt goes away and it's like oh good I paid oh I hope I can make this month's mortgage the outlook of actually having a savings for your kids for college is much more difficult when you're paying 10%. Now, I know a lot of people do it, right? Um, you know, it's a poor excuse, right? And hey, it's God's, and would you rub God? Well, you know, if God needs money, then I don't understand. Because if God doesn't need money, then it makes sense. Because if, if I donate 10% of my time and my thoughts to God, isn't that the same? Or does it have to be money? Because after all, we can buy anything in this world with money. So, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm triggered. Trying to stay safe, trying to stay healthy. Just hope for the best. But I can't go back to where I was. I wasn't happy. But you're not alone if you are in a similar spot or have already gone past this. Great. If you think this is where you're going on your journey then uh, you're not alone. But there have been a lot worse people, sorry, a lot worse situations than mine. A lot worse, so, you know, I'm not alone. I'll get through it. Whatever comes, comes. But I don't want to lose my kids. I don't want to lose my wife. But take care of you.